You're listening to the one of us.net podcast network. Oh, Joe, I am so tired. You don't look tired. Oh, I'm really tired. No, you look supine. <laughs> I feel lupine. Well, you do have the grace of a wolf. <laughs> I do. I'm just tired because of South by preparation. Is that why your eyelashes look so heavy? That is why my eyelashes seem well, so Well, they heavy. could get a little heavier with some beer. Yeah, that's true. It could be. That'd be nice to have some beer. Here, have some beer. It's going to take care of all your problems <sighs> until you throw up at three in the morning. Huh? What? That's what beer does, if you're doing it right. Welcome to Digital Noise. I'm your host, Chris. With me is my co-host, Joe. Hello. And we have a whole shit ton of movies to talk about this week. seriously, we are impacted with movies. It's like a call a doctor. (laughs) I think this might be infected. Bobby Brown, get your finger out here, because we need some help. Uh, Yeah, a lot of stuff, mainly because... As I mentioned, South by is right around the corner, and we are trying to knock out as much stuff as we can beforehand because we're going to miss a week, as as you do. For you guys, though. For you guys. <laughs> so trying to get ahead of the game, which is almost impossible, but we're going to do the best we can. First off, I'd like to thank everyone for becoming a friend of oneofus.net and listening to this podcast amongst our many others. The best way to show your love for oneofus.net is by becoming a subscriber. There are four levels there on the front page. You can see on the right-hand side of the front page, four levels you can subscribe to that will get you lots of bonus podcasts, lots of bonus stuff, special prizes that we and contests that we have, all sorts of neat stuff. And the Maps best- to treasure. That's a good idea. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I know. We should do like mm-hmm. a Masquerade Kit Williams mm-hmm. type of yeah, thing. Yeah, yeah. Geo whatevers. We just need like $10,000 to like actually make a gold thing or something. No, we we got spray paint. We're good. <laughs> it's like hidden somewhere in America is a buried copy of the latest season of Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. Ooh, or like one of us action figures. Very limited edition. Yeah, so limited they don't exist. Carved out of potatoes. <laughs> um, that really helps a lot. Uh, you're not just getting that free stuff. You've got the, you have the pleasure of knowing you are keeping the site running. Yes, <laughs> running and running and running because we are tireless. Because you are tireless. Hey, you you need to be fueled by our voices. You're making me sleepy again. <laughs> oh, don't worry about it. We'll get more beer. You'll throw up soon. Uh, also, there's a whole bunch of new affiliates we have on there. One, of course, we've got Fandango. So please you click on those ads when you see them to buy any of your movie tickets. Sideshow Collectibles, which have the best and most expensive geek items in the whole world. Like one of us figurines? No, not yet. Well, yet. But if enough people click on that link, then maybe. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, Entertainment Earth, another place you can get wonderful collectibles, all sorts of great stuff. Stuff, uh, from for a multitude of price range as opposed to sideshow collectibles, which right. is more for your uh, higher end serious collector. Yes. <laughs> Although Entertainment Earth has lots of that type of stuff as well. Both of those wonderful links to click, click through. As always, audible.com is one of our uh, regular helpers as well. You can click on that and sign up for an Audible trial. Your first book is free. Even if you don't like that first book, you can turn it back in and get it. Yeah, get out of here, other book. And we get a nice little kickback from then. And as always, 
our favorite people in the world, Amazon.com. All those links you see on the page of the movies and TV shows we talked about this week. You click on one of those links and buy that item, or in fact, any item that starts from our link, and we get a very healthy kickback. That's right. Even Monkey the Cat agrees that it is time for you to start using Amazon. That's right. Our Amazon links to buy all your Amazon Monkey track. wants you to buy a mechanical keyboard and take it to work and annoy everybody else. That's Is that what he said? Yep. Yeah, it's, you'd think that I would understand what he's saying better than you at this point. Ah, I'm just good with monkeys. <laughs> it's true, you are. Uh, anyway, with all that being said, all that out of the way, it's time to move on to the review. I like that. That was your best one. Yeah. Oh, well, thank you. Uh, we're going to start off with a film we meant to do in the last show we were together. <laughs> the doodles. I screwed up. Uh, sorry. Which is weird because it was actually one of my favorite movies of last year, which is Steve Jobs. Now, just from the... You know, the history of movies and TV movies of Steve Jobs, mm-hmm. I, I like the knowledge this was coming out did not fill me with high hopes. No, no. Were you thinking, how's Fassbender going to uh, upstage Noah Wiley? <laughs> or or uh, what's his name? Uh, uh, that yeah. 70s show, dude. Yeah, the, 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 the Kushnicker. Yeah. The Kushnicker. <laughs> Bruce Willis Jr. Um and the truth is, you will forget those other movies ever existed after you see this, even though this is not really a biopic of Steve Jobs. No, it's not. No. It's more of like like four little slice of life pieces. It's, it's a play. It's a play, completely. And that's up by, A, the wonderful direction by Danny Boyle, one of those directors who, like, like two out of every three films he does, I think, are magnificent. And then mm-hmm. that third film is like, yawn, forget about it. Not yeah. Good. This yeah. is on the, wow, one of the best, I thought one of the best films he's done. And then a... Just sparkling script from legendary Hollywood screenwriter Aaron Sorkin, who turns in one of his finest works on this. Yeah, because it wasn't too Sorkin-y. You know, it is and it isn't. It still is a lot of, like, people getting very upset at each other about, like, you know, personality differences. Mm-hmm. And right. having long conversations where everyone has, like, a, a the vocabulary of, like, a Harvard graduate. Yeah, but it didn't, it didn't feel like the West Wing. <laughs> no, that's true. There wasn't a lot of political discussion. Or, or my favorite thing to hate of his, Sports Night. You don't like Sports Night? I hate Sports Night. No, I really, I really I, like Sports Night. I don't even like sports. I was tortured by it. It, it literally tortured you? Well, because it was always on. <laughs> Watch me, Joe. Yeah. I, All your friends like me, I Joe. I didn't want to. I didn't want Join to. I had us. to. It had that cute chick from Sliders and then everything else yeah, I could care about. and she left Sliders for that show, which is one of the reasons I didn't want to watch it at first because mm-hmm. I was pissed at it. Because I was like, yeah, I like that shit on Sliders. Then he loved it. Sliders. Uh, yeah, you know. <laughs> I like sliders better, though. The old, yeah, Mr. Mallory. I still miss sliders. Anyway. <laughs> back to this thing. I still miss the first three seasons of sliders. <laughs> back to this thing. Yeah, they the, the plot has basically a series of, like, you know, different times where he's backstage before a big product demo mm-hmm, for Apple. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it kind of focuses on the relationship between him and his ex girlfriend, uh, played by Catherine Watterson, uh, who had a child with him named Lisa, who he did not want to admit was his child <laughs> at all. And that's one portion of it. The other, uh, like portion of this is really like the making of a guy who's, Learn to become slightly less of an asshole as time went by. Slightly, slightly. I have so many problems with Steve Jobs as a human being and as yeah. a businessman. Uh, but you know, you can remove that from the movie because this this uh, does show him to be a piece of shit who. Yeah. 
um, kind of gross. It doesn't really celebrate him. No. It's not a celebratory film, nor is it necessarily like an attack piece either. It's, as you said, it's more of a play with really complicated characters mm. and complicated relationships. Uh, Kate Winslet plays Joanna Hoffman, his, basically his, his number one assistant, who's really good in this and almost unrecognizable. Yeah. Uh, and then strangely, who knew Seth Rogen was the dead on best possible choice to play Steve Wozniak? Well, because nobody asked me. <laughs> Would you have been better? Well, I love Woz more. <laughs> I, I've seen his yacht. Have you? Yeah. yeah. Supposedly, he really is as nice and likable a guy as Seth Rogen pr- portrays him as being. His yacht seemed very nice. <laughs> I'm totally going to party with him. <laughs> Wozniak, you're the best. Come get me. He has two helipads on his yacht. He's serious. We are going to party <laughs> on your giant leather couch with strippers on either side of us and play Xbox or PlayStation. I was going to say, and yeah. lots of gadgets. Yeah, indeed. Uh, Jeff Daniels also as John Scully, the CEO of Apple, who uh, has a contentious relationship with Michael Fassbender. By the way, this is uh, much better than you think it is. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I think it's fair to say. Like, one of those, like, yes, I know why you don't want to watch it, but trust me, watch it. It's super good. There's a 44-minute Inside Jobs, The Making of Steve Jobs, a three-part feature, an audio commentary from, from the director, and an audio comment, separate audio commentary from Aaron Sorkin and the editor, Elliot Graham. And Elliot's just going, oh, 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 he talks so much. He just, all he does is talk. <laughs> All right, next up is, uh, wow, this is... um, My favorite movie of the week. My All-American. So was this a Christian movie? No, but it it wants to be so bad. Well, because uh, the other movies that were uh, previewed on the DVD... Were all like... Yeah, I was like, oh, what am I in for? And then there was a fair amount... Like, it wasn't beat you over the head, but it was definitely like, Christ is uh, a bastard no, this character. No, this one, like, this movie flirts with, with Christianity, you know, in... A very sort of like it's about to go there it's right. about to go there and then it never actually really goes there but that doesn't matter because the main character of this film the guy who plays uh, uh finn Rit- whitrock <laughs> this name makes me laugh every time who plays freddie steinmark uh the hero of the film is such a mary sue of a character anyway yes. he's practically jesus in this film oh shucks fellas well uh, and the thing is like i almost had to ask for this because my girlfriend went to ut she's a mm. huge longhorns mm, fan right and, like uh Apparently, this guy, Freddie Steinmark, who was like this, you know, too small to really be expected to play on a football team. Yeah, no, he was Giga Rudy. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Um, turned out to be one of the best players UT ever had and brought them to like their first championship in quite some time. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, and even like, and then, you know, this is, I know it's spoilers, but it's not because this is all well known historical story. <laughs> Died of like a really weird thing, like cancer of the knee or something like yeah. that. Like, wait, people die from that? Yeah, uh, just, just take your leg off, dude. Uh, yeah, so basically, it was in one, that one championship and then like ne- never was able to play again. In fact, even today, as the players go out, there's a picture of him on the wall that they all touch yeah, as they no. go out. They still do that. Years and years and years later. This particular film adaptation brought to you by director Angelo Pizzo, uh, who made Hoosiers, another great sport movie. He wrote that and produced it, and Rudy, which he wrote and co-produced. Okay, so the guy's got some background in sports films. Yeah, it's it's the same damn movie. And and great sports films. This is not a great sports film, but, but there's nothing inherently wrong with it other than it's so thoroughly mediocre. Yeah, that, yeah, that is the problem. Like, there's nothing I hate about this film except that it doesn't try to be anything different or original. Well, the, I mean, like uh, Aaron Eckhart uh, as as Daryl Royal, the, 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 coach. the great Daryl Royal, yeah. 
so when, when he's in old people makeup, it's just kind of funny, but not funny enough for you to enjoy it. Yeah, it's true. <laughs> it's really bad old people makeup. It's like if he sh- if he shakes his head too fast, it'll fly away. Yeah, yeah, bits of latex fall <laughs> off. Um, I and Finn Whitrock is, is, and you can tell this is more because I I always I think he's really great on American Horror Story. Okay, I really enjoyed his roles on there. It's clear the guy can act, but here he's so fucking earnest. That you're just like, oh, for God's sakes. I mean, this is practically a Disney Channel movie. Yeah. Yeah, he might as well at some point go like, thanks, Grass, for being so green. <laughs> I know. I'm surprised <laughs> he doesn't just go around like in the morning and little cartoon bluebirds land on his hand. Yeah. You know? It's <laughs> like, uh, I will say, interesting point, and now I'm forgetting who the guy who, who played it, uh, but apparently one of the other main players on the team mm-hmm. is played by the son of the actual guy. Whoa. Yeah, so that's kind of cool. What? Oh, my God. People, are you listening? (laughs) That's what makes this movie stand above other mediocre football, college football films. It's it's the Christmas with a capital C of sports movies. Uh, Yeah, I mean, if you're a Longhorns fan, you know you're going to watch this anyway, because it's all like Longhorns. So wait, that means Brian has to watch it. Yeah, now he does. (laughs) (laughs) That's an in-joke, and I'm not going to explain it. <laughs> Don't worry about it. Just know it's hilarious. Uh, anyway, moving on. Our next title is the American remake of Secret in Their Eyes. This just came out last year based on the 2005 novel, uh, which was also had the Academy Award-winning Argentine film based on it in 2009, The Secret in Their Eyes, which I had seen previously and really enjoyed the whole lot of Was it better than this one? Um, they're both very slow-burn films. Mm-hmm, I thought mm-hmm. it was directed better. Okay. Was the main thing. It's okay. more atmospheric. It's more pretty, you know? What, the, the, the old one or this, this one? The old one. Okay. This one is more, it's very dingy filmed. Yeah. Sure. Uh, and the idea here is that it takes place back and forth between two time periods. One in, uh, what was it, like 1990-something, 1995 or something like that, where the counterterrorism group uh, in L.A., Right. Oh, no, I'm sorry. It's like 19, 1993. Yeah, because it's shortly after uh, well, the, the World Trade Center. The World Trade Center, yeah. So they're supposed to be working exclusively on counterterrorism, and they find this body uh, that turns out to be the daughter of uh, one of the primary investigators in their group. Uh, and then, of course, they all want to deal with that. Right, and Special Agent Julia Roberts. It turn- yes, it turns <laughs> out that the Special Agent, like, totally devoid of makeup or any sense of style, Julia Roberts, mm-hmm, in mm-hmm. this particular film. Not going for sexy here. Yep. Uh, they find out that the, the body, which is found in the back of a mosque they're investigating, the one guy who might know something about it, is in fact their informant. No. Who, uh, this, a secret informant at the mosque. And they're all like, well, no, you can't. You know, you can't He's untouchable. He's untouchable. And that causes problems. But, you know, you do have a great cast put together here. Got the chit away. Yeah. Uh, Chuetto Ejiofor, who is always good, uh, as the primary character who definitely, you know, there's a twist coming with why he's as a... Uh, as, uh, Serious about solving this case. Oh, yeah. By the way, the later period of time that, that I mentioned earlier is years later when they find a new lead. Yep. Basically, he comes to them with a brand new lead saying, okay, I think we actually found this guy. Uh, Nicole Kidman there as later days uh, as the DA and here she's sort of like new to the office. Yeah, for, for, for a bit I had a problem establishing what their new roles were. 
When, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 Well, there was a, there's a lot of like, depending on who's on camera, it's hard to tell what period of time it is. Which what I led you for, they put gray in his hair. Yeah. But Julia Roberts looks exactly the same. Nicole Kidman looks exactly the same, you know. I thought they made Julia look a little harsher in the. Even in the, worse? Yeah. In the <laughs> Maybe a little, but she was pretty frumpy in the first part, too. She, she was business. But Nicole Kidman, man, how is she like 50 something? And she still is like She's the, one be of the hottest embryos. women alive. Like, oh my. God, <laughs> see where Chuetel's checking out her ass as she's walking away, and I was doing the same thing. I was like, "God damn, Nicole, you yeah. look amazing." Yeah, uh, I mean, one one problem that I had with it was uh, Chuetel's uh, uh, utter uh, adoration of her. No, no, I, I would I would say more like undying love for her. Her yeah. character just didn't make sense to me. Well, there's a there's a lot of character motivations here that either don't make sense till later in the film or just feel like maybe they just forgot to explain it better. Right, yeah. Like, their whole connection always feels so, like, so this is going to come to more, right? Yeah. And it never really does. Um, you know, there's other characters you wouldn't mind seeing more about, like Dean Norris is in this, and they don't give him a lot to do, really, but his character's kind of interesting. Alfred Molina is sort of the, mm-hmm. the corrupt guy. Yeah, uh, who you're the like, politician. Oh, so we're not going to get to see this guy get brought to his knees? No? Nope, okay. Nope. And then, like, this twist at the end, like, big, creepy twist. Yeah, don't worry, fellas, it's it's very apparent, but... But it's one of those, like, okay, I feel like maybe it's my jadedness towards, like, splashier, like, dark crime thrillers mm-hmm. that made me prepared for almost exactly what ended up happening. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, I think without that gut punch of like oh my god you don't see it coming at all and you're maybe the sort of person who doesn't regularly rewatch seven <laughs> <laughs> that, that that you'd you'd be more affected but for me i was like yeah okay yeah no that makes sense i don't think anything in here was necessarily bad it just felt like maybe a little half-baked yeah yeah exactly there was there was just a lot of unfinished edges yeah, this it's one of those ones you're like, you know, this could have been a lot better. Oh, and and it was when they made it in Argentina, so you just watch that version. Uh, that, which is like still not I don't think is an all-time classic, but I did enjoy it a little bit better and it had the it had the benefit of being more a little more fresh mm. in, in style, I thought. Okay. When it came out there. Um this comes out it comes with not much at all in the way of uh, uh bonus features except Julia Roberts discusses her most challenging role. Because she gets Aaron to Brockovich. be grumpy? Okay. Yeah, I would say Aaron Brockovich is probably her most challenging role, right? Or Flatliners. Yeah. Flatliners, <laughs> yeah. Uh, and then, uh, like, two minutes on looking at remaking the story for today's world uh, from the... Because we've Argentine changed so version. much. And then an audio commentary from the director or screenwriter, uh, Billy Ray. has got to change his name. And the producer. Yeah, eh, you know, whatever. Uh, you did not get to see... Marshland. No, sir. Uh, which won 10 Goya Awards, which are the Spanish uh, Oscars, including Best Film, Best Director, Best Original Screenplay, Best Actor. Uh, it's it's very true detective-ish. Okay. You know? You've got these two detectives, right, who have been assigned to this case out in the middle of fucking nowhere. They're from Madrid, and they're sent to, like, this tiny, all-but-forgotten ramshackle town mm-hmm. out on the border that still loves Franco. No, that's wow. how that's how backwards. Okay. This is this hasn't reached them yet, and there's still like Franco posters up. Francophiles, yeah. <laughs> well, no, that's different. <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
And they're sent there because these two uh, teenage girls went missing. Well, it's not long before they find them. And yes, they're dead. They were murdered and tortured and raped and yada, yada, yada. Mm-hmm. So they have to investigate this in this town where no one really wants to talk to them or want them there. And they're both very different people and don't particularly like each other. What? So, you know, kind of true detective <laughs> <laughs> You know, uh, lots of swampland everywhere. Or okay. marshland, as the case may be. And this is actually, in terms of, like, going for that darker, arty thriller that Secret in Their Eyes is going for, I thought it was a much better film. Okay. Uh, it's still not maybe quite the level of masterpiece some have been describing it as, but uh, I did, in fact, really enjoy it. I like the, you know, it reminds me more than anything of those uh, Scandinavian slow burn police procedurals that have been coming out over the last 10 years or mm-hmm. so that like the girl with the dragon tattoo was one of the most famous of where it's like, okay, this doesn't move real quick, but it really builds up these characters when it gets dark, it gets bleak as fuck and it has like these sudden out of nowhere outbursts of violence. That surprise, well, for the know. past 15 years, Spain has really been up in their cinema game. Like they really have. They've been kicking the shit well, out I mean, of a lot of people. One of their people. directors just won Best Director two times in a row. What? The Oscars. Who, me? Oh, that's cool. I don't think he deserved it this year. But Whatever. Still. I mean, it was, you know, it was a good film. Just wasn't a great film. <laughs> Birdman was a great film. It's true. Yeah, but not The Revenant so much. <laughs> <laughs> I did like The Rapey Bear. Well, everybody does. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, no, this actually is a really great Spanish film that is totally worth uh, your time checking out. I, it's... About an hour and 40-some minutes long, so it's not one of those, like, sometimes those Scandinavian ones run, like, three hours. Mm. So you don't have to worry about that. It actually feels just long enough. Uh, It's very well directed, and I wouldn't be surprised if we see more from director Alberto Rodriguez Libero, uh, who made this uh, and two films I haven't seen, Unit 7 and Seven Virgins. But Mm -hmm. uh, Mm -hmm. excellent film. Watch out for this guy. I have a feeling Hollywood's going to be paying attention. In terms of foreign directors who Hollywood already did pay attention to, but he wants nothing to do with them. <laughs> hey, you know, yeah, good job. <laughs> Zhang Yimou, who is, am I pronouncing his name right? What, Zhang Yimou? Zhang Yimou? Zhang Yimou. Zhang Yimou? Yeah, Zhang Yimou. Okay, you're better at this than I am. Yes, yeah, so uh, I was a bit taken aback by that. <laughs> has a lot of films that are considered to be all-time art classics. Uh, Raise the Red Lantern is probably mm-hmm. one of his best known films uh but uh he did like red sorghum is another one he uh what's the big action one i'm thinking of that he did uh hero oh yeah 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 yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. uh as well as house of flying daggers curse of the golden flower woman a gun in a noodle shop uh the guy's a really good director yeah he didn't he didn't direct bio zombie so that's a strike against that's him, a, yeah but, but oh, you well. know no, how many only one of us could have and it wasn't him <laughs> it wasn't us either so that's strike against us yeah that no that's and, yeah i, I need why to make up they for that release bio zombie on they really yet, need to that's a fun they zombie really movie. need to anyway it's not a great zombie <laughs> movie. Now, double feature of that and wild zero i'm totally about okay that. yeah uh, anyway, this features nothing like that. In fact, even for this director, this is a very different movie. It's called Coming Home. It's a small personal film, which mm-hmm. is very odd for him. But I think right up there among the best stuff he's done. Yeah, well, I mean, it it uh, it covers a very, very interesting period in, in Chinese history, which is the Cultural Revolution, where the country was trying to decide how it was going to define itself and what it was and wasn't going to put up with. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and just saying, mm, I don't, I don't really care for that. could get you sent to, uh, to a, a Chinese gulag, a Lao guy. Um, 
for years and years and years, and most people didn't make it, but this guy did. Uh, and the also um, Gong Li. Like I remember when she first made you know made attention here, mm-hmm. this beautiful young ingenue, and now she's playing this really really heavy older role that's quite nuanced. Oh, the performance is it's astonishing. yeah, it's it's just it's uh, breathtaking. The idea being is that as you said, this guy who sent during the one period, the beginning period of this film, to the labor camp, and his family, his 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 wife played by Gong Li, and his young daughter who wants to be a dancer really bad, but is being basically downplayed for roles because her father is known as being a, a, a agitator yeah you know uh like he has escaped from prison and they're being you know the, the secret police are coming to them going what do you know what do you know and they don't actually know anything but he is in fact there looking for them and uh through a act of uh treachery ends up being caught and sent back mm-hmm. so flashed in many years later the the every the whole world criticized this cultural revolution. Eventually, they gave in. Basically, I said, "Okay, yeah. no more cultural res- revolution. <laughs> Let everybody go." All right, we'll ease up, but we keep the cool clothes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, uh, and he is released to come back home, only to find out that his wife has suffered some kind of dementia, uh, where she can j- barely remember how to do stuff. She's got notes all over the house, you know, for what things are. And even though she can remember some things, when she sees him, she absolutely does not remember who he right. is. In fact, she keeps thinking he's a guy called was Mr. Mr. Fung. Fa- Mr. Fung, yeah. who uh, she's like, get out of here, get out of here. And we don't even know who that is. And he's like, no matter what it takes, I would just want to be with my wife. So, like, he and his daughter, through a series over the space of years, try various attempts to basically try to trick her brain into remembering who he is. <laughs> yeah. And it's this sad poignant beautiful little film about that's really about how strong love can be for some people mm. that man had me in tears at the end of it well it, it's uh it's fall- like I've, I've mentioned uh to live before uh, it's just falling in that tradition of like amazingly gut-punching uh moving emotional chinese uh, dramas yeah yeah no no kidding with just top-notch performances across the board um and this was I, I'm honestly surprised. I mean, maybe this didn't come out. I guess it came out in 2014 in China. I don't know when it got, or if it even did get a theatrical American release at all. It really should have. And it really should have, because of that, had a nomination for uh, Best Foreign Film. Because this is one of the best foreign films I've seen in the last couple of years. Oh, easily. Yeah. Coming Home. Put it on your list. Next up is another one you didn't get to see. Nope. Uh, okay. Uh, this is only the second Pam Greer classic black exploitation film I've ever seen. And I know really? that's terrible. I've only seen Coffee, which I barely remember because it was so long ago that mm-hmm. I saw it. Mm-hmm. And then this new one being put out by Arrow Video, who have been putting out mainly horror stuff, but now there's lately like re-releases in like very top form, mm-hmm. like great fix-ups, but now are going into exploitation as well. Uh, Sheba Baby is the name of it. And it's everything you think of when you think of a Pam Greer black exploitation film. That she's Foxy Brown, uh, the baddest bitch in town? She pretty much is. Okay. Here she is a private investigator who is a former cop who has returned to her hometown of Louisville, Kentucky because her father is being uh, attacked by thugs who are trying to get him to hand over his insurance family company business to them. Okay. And the cops are of no help whatsoever. So she's like, well, I guess I'm going to have to fix this one all by myself. And it's time for the queen of Sheba. And she pulls out her gun and starts going after people. <laughs> the 
this is worth watching for many reasons. I mean, one of which you, every time you see young Pam Greer, you're mm. like, damn, I forgot how amazing this woman is. She is so hot and confident. And yeah, like, older Pam Greer is nothing to bark nothing at. To, yeah, no, definitely not. But young Pam Greer, that's like, you know, <laughs> on the Hall of Fame. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> She's amazing. But there's this character in here who plays like a pimp that is like right out of Hollywood Shuffle. You know? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, baby. What's up? I'm going to help you out. Come on, bitches. You're yeah. like, oh, my God. She's going to shoot your dick off, dude. <laughs> yeah, I think she even does. <laughs> I, I don't remember precisely here, but she she just fucks up person after person here. She's just beating the shit out of everybody and uh, on her way for vengeance. And it's kind of awesome. Nice. Yeah. she. I, I really enjoyed it. Now, I don't have the benefit of having watched a whole ton of Pam Greer films mm-hmm. to say, how does this stack up? But as someone who's relatively inexperienced with black exploitation altogether, I really enjoyed this. Yeah, it's dumb. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's not terribly well made, and it's filled with stereotypes that would be really offensive if you were to do them in a movie today. Well, yeah, that's the beauty of like Truck Diner or Dolomite or Superfly. Right. Like, I don't. Mm, you can't, can't no, do that no. now. But you can watch it as like an artifact and enjoy it. Yeah. Yeah. And that's what this is. And it's a good one. And it's it's been fixed up to look really nice. And there's even bonus features on it. So, hey, you know, I mean, who I, I'm not complaining. It's, uh, you know, oh, my favorite part is the guy who she's like hooking up with. Well, first off, she's like, yeah, she hooks up with this guy. His name is Brick. Yeah, I he is. I love it. I want to name my first kid Brick. That's well, he's going to so have to be awesome. hung like a brick. Yeah. Well, you know, it's, it's, I. <laughs> Yeah, probably not. <laughs> uh, but that he's like totally in the like the bottom position throughout this whole movie. He's like, "Come on, baby." And she's like, "No, you do what I say." And even the point where like, he's like, "So, do you want to like you know be in a relationship?" She's kind of like. I got lots of people back at home. Like, <laughs> I'm sorry, you were just a lay. Yeah, I'm like, wow, that's awesome. And I got laundry to pick up. I don't think it's going to work. You know what's impressive about this, in some ways, though, is that like the black exploitation community was featuring films with a very strong black her- female hero. Mm-hmm. N- Hollywood wouldn't would, didn't do anything like that, even with white female heroines they were never really portrayed no, in this level of being sexually confident and in charge it was very like unique at that period of time to black exploitation film yeah like i think uh, around that era the the most you got was uh, the bionic woman and she wasn't exactly yeah. <laughs> charge. she was i mean she was a cartoon character practically yeah. you know like and she didn't they weren't trying to say anything with her she was like safe for church yeah <laughs> <laughs> you know like this is not safe for church and yet they're sending her as a completely like you know she is in charge. All the men, when they meet her, know she is the alpha. Mm-hmm. That's mm-hmm. You don't really see that. No. Uh, so you've got a special here, 12 Minutes, Pam Greer, the AIP years, video piece where a film historian looks at her body of work from there, and just her body, I'm sure. Uh, Sheldon Baby, which is a new video interview where uh, the producer and screenwriter looks at his films at AIP, including uh, the production history of Sheba Baby. There are two audio commentaries, one from uh, David Sheldon and uh, then another one from Patty Breen, who's the webmaster of something called William WilliamGirdler.com. I don't know what that is. Who talks about Pam Greer and AIP and yada yada. 14-page illustrated booklet, reversible cover featuring original and commissioned artwork. 
that's a pretty great package for a black exploitation film most people have never heard of. You know, I, that makes me want there to just be 40 more movies of Sid Haig and Pam Greer. Because whenever those two were on screen together, it was just fantastic. Really? Yeah, because he used to be a big black exploitation heavy. Yeah, I didn't know that. See, I haven't watched many black exploitations, as I said. It's so worth I watching. I didn't even know that. Yeah, I want, now this made me want to go, because I actually own quite a few of them. I'm mm-hmm. really, I just never got around to watching them. Like, now i got to sit down with coffee and all that stuff. Yep. Uh, another Arrow films release, more in their horror field, was The Premonition. Now, this is not that Sandra Bullock movie that you've totally forgotten about by now. Mm, yeah, I was hoping it was. Ago. No, you weren't. Okay. <laughs> this is – they've got this whole new run of horror stuff that has, like, the American Horror Project label. Mm-hmm. And they bring out this guy who looks like he should be sitting – well, he is sitting in a nice, easy chair. But he should be smoking <laughs> a, a, a nice meerschaum pipe. And, like, they should start with music like... Dun, 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 and maybe have a fluffy cat that he's stroking. Exactly. Yeah. Uh, who's, like, talks very intellectually and like this about why we picked this particular film for our American Horror Project collection. <laughs> and you're, you're like, don't, do yourself a favor and don't watch this, these intros that are on each one of these but until you watch the movie because otherwise you'll be like, I thought I was about to watch one of the greatest movies ever. You are not <laughs> no. about to watch the greatest movies ever. These are not uh, undiscovered Silence of the Lambs as we <laughs> No, not at all. <laughs> no, uh-huh. They're not even un- undiscovered like Mother's Day is waiting for you. They, <laughs> they are like really, really low budget horror films that are watchable because of how fucking weird they are. Point. Yeah, that's 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 kind of their selling point. Uh, the premonition here uh, follows a girl whose uh, mother has a, uh, a, a premonition that her unstable biological mother is coming for her. In fact, we're seeing that too. We're seeing the other side of it, which is the completely insane biological mom mm-hmm. who is uh, uh, dating uh, Richard Lynch. If you don't know, know this guy, you do. He was in like The Sword and the Sorcerer, Little, Little Nikita, Invasion USA, uh, the new Battlestar Galactica and Galactica 1980, T.J. Hooker, Star Trek Next Generation. And he, he's one of those guys who looks weird because he was burned over like 90% of his body and then grafted skin everywhere. And he always <laughs> and here he's supposed to be attractive. And you're like, no, dude, you're like... You're Burnedy Man. You're Burnedy Man. Uh, but he's like her boyfriend, and they both work like at a carnival, and they're like, okay, we're going to drop everything and go get your daughter. And uh, and the mom's having like these psychic things connecting to her. And it's creepy, but it's not like... I don't know. It's it's not that creepy. No, it was like Mano's Hands of Fate creepy. Yeah, me. it really is. Kind of, <laughs> it's like... Yeah, I get what you're getting at, and it's a good enough of a story that if this was like redone with a good director and a great screenwriter, that this I'd be is into a, it. kind of a cool story. <laughs> yeah. But as it is, it feels like first year students coming out trying to make something in the 70s, and it doesn't really come together with a really what the fuck just happened ending. Yeah, like wait, why did that work? I don't know. All I can say is, people planning. Planning does a whole lot for you. Yeah, uh, the little girl is played by Daniel Breeze uh, I believe is her name, who was well known for being, and when uh, All in the Family got a spinoff Archie Bunker's place, she was Archie Bunker's daughter on there, uh. his adopted daughter. Uh, that was that show was on the air for an unusual amount of time, but she actually had a brief but but strong television career where she was in every TV show that came out at the time. <laughs> One of those girls, a lot of people in her like early twenties and late teens had a big crush on. Mm. Uh, but here she's just a little girl, so I don't think about that. That's gross. Well, you can still have it. You just have to be a little kid yourself. Uh, yeah, I guess. Yeah. 
All right, so the the other one you got to see was from the Arrow collection is the Witch Who Came from the Sea. So I'll I'll just preface this by uh, I was watching a whole lot of these while I was doing overtime at work, uh-huh. uh, and I popped it in, and then I just started looking it up online and seeing that it was one of Britain's biggest video nasties, and I was like, okay, well this is safe for later. <laughs> <laughs> uh, it is, I don't know, man. Video nasties. What's described as like. Like you shouldn't be allowed to watch this. Then is very different than what yeah, the rules are. I just now. didn't want to take any chance. <laughs> uh, yeah, right. No, because there is a lot of nudity and mm-hmm. sex in this thing. And uh, despite the poster, which looks like something out of Dungeons and Dragons, it looks awesome. Yeah, it's a it's badass, super heavy metal. This. Uh, it's this woman named Molly, played by Millie Perkins, who is very fucked up in the head, mm, clearly yeah. hearing voices and all sorts of stuff. Who it becomes clear as the movie goes along that she was repeatedly raped by her her sea captain dad, Dar. and now she is like going out and like meeting guys, like famous guys, to hook up with them and then murder them slowly and horribly. Um, Which is a, a sustainable plan. Sure, it is. <laughs> <laughs> it's at least as sustainable as Trump as president. <laughs> um, He's got huge hands, and it's like you know this. I, I get this film is kind of about feminism in the 70s. I guess. But it's only kind of like sidelining-ly that. Like, you're like, oh, well, you know, the message, like, well, maybe these men deserve to be killed for being men. Did they? <laughs> <laughs> like, you don't get the, it's like, she's not going in like, it's not like Ms. 45, where yeah. these guys deserve to die. She's just picking out like, yeah, hey, I saw that guy on a television commercial, yeah. so I'm going to kill know. him. He might be a child predator. Better be safe. <laughs> <laughs> He's got a dick. That's all I need to know. <laughs> not uh, for long. And she, I took it completely, like, they talk about it in the intro thing, like, this is a strong feminist message. I'm like, really? Because she is clearly really insane. Just bonkers, and, yeah. And nobody in here, like, who she's killing really deserves to be killed. I mean, some of them are kind of jerks, but not, like, like overtly so. Yeah, you just don't talk to them no more. Yeah. And like, even then, one of the guys she kills is, like, super nice. And you're just like, all right. Had to go. And, and really, that's a about it is that she doesn't remember doing it either and she has this weird relationship with her like her sister who's much younger mm. and, and then she gets naked a lot which you don't really care about because she's not really nah, very attractive nah, no. it's, it's, it's 70s naked it makes you wonder how all these famous people like really good looking guys are even like said yeah. yes in the first well one. I got my choice of what it nah let's go with that yeah, I'll, I'll take the frumpy one <laughs> <laughs> lowered that, expectations wait a minute Aren't you Julia Roberts from Secret in Your Eyes? <laughs> Shh, that's the twist. Still even frumpy hotter than this woman. <laughs> Not that that should matter, mind you, but honestly, of this stack, this was probably my least favorite of them. Yeah. 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 Now, you did not get to see the best from this stack, which was which is a best meaning it not the necessarily the way the word is usually well, meant. I, okay so carnival of blood they, yeah, haven't they mountain. made like a million of those no no there's there's one other film called carnival of blood that was apparently this uh, like all but forgotten like, this one isn't the, the like little people vampire thing is it uh it is like uh vampires but it's called Malatesta's Carnival of Blood. I think I've seen this like a long time With ago. Herve Villachez. Yes. Yeah. Okay. It, yeah. uh, where it is, it makes almost no sense, first off. Just tell you that. It's made for almost zero money. The only way this looks kind of cool and is fun to watch is that there's this huge, like, uh, 
Like, you know those traveling sideshow carnivals? Mm-hmm. Not even sideshow, but the ones with the cheap roller coasters and everything? Yeah. This is like if one of those planted roots and it's like 20 years later and yeah. they manage to spend a little money so it's a little bigger than that. <laughs> but it's not like regular theme park sized. So they found this one that was about to go under and they were like, okay, well, we're just going to take it over for, you know, as long as it takes to shoot this thing. And then the other half was they had access to a manufacturing plant where they filmed a lot of stuff, mm-hmm. including with like all this plastic wrap of various colors and stuff. Oh, what pretty. they ended up making was a pretty fucking bizarrely psychedelic horror film with these people who are coming here to track down what happened to their, I think, son or something who had worked <laughs> here and died and found out that like, the whole thing's run by like a, a evil vampire who's got all these other vampires and zombies under his thrall and that are flesh eaters. And it's, I mean, it really is production wise, the way it looks and the acting quality and everything. We are talking about Manos Hands Fate, <laughs> right? <laughs> but- well, if, if it's the one I'm thinking of, I think I saw it on uh, the Gilbert Godfrey era Up All Night. Mm. Uh, and mm-hmm. it was certainly like, okay, it's 1030 on a Friday and I'm not going anywhere. Well, but- I mean, it came out in 1973 and it had a, a brief period where it was being like, they were putting out everywhere it would go, and then it completely disappeared, mm-hmm. presumed lost. And apparently the director himself found a copy that he had and managed to put it together and then take pieces from the trailers that still existed for it that were cut out of the movie because of rating shit and cut mm-hmm. those pieces back in and then put to put out this release, which seems like a lot of work to do for this yeah. film. But this <laughs> is actually a decent little, like, movie to to put in if you really want your friends to say what the fuck was that <laughs> i mean it moves super fast which is one thing nice. it's just like so low budget and so ridiculous and so nonsensical and it, but everything in it is so weird like the actors are all like who the fuck is that guy it's like just really strange looking people uh weird use of like i mean like every, the the thing itself is like there's a labyrinth under the carnival that is all like bubble wrap that's been dyed red or different colors that looks like mouths and shit that mm-hmm. people are always climbing through it's consistently like it's like a horror version of logan's run or something Ooh. you know it's just like everything is so weirdly lit and covered with bubble wrap and shit it's like <laughs> i don't know what's going on but i'm actually enjoying watching it well good uh, yeah excellent Mal- malatest is carnival blood not a good movie but a great movie to make your friends go i don't know what's wrong with you but i kind of like it yeah, yeah a stoner movie yeah kind of yeah exactly that <laughs> should be a warning on it <laughs> do not watch unless stoned Next up is Racing Extinction. Now, I believe uh, the one of the, the songs from this movie was nominated for Best Song this year at the Academy Awards, if I'm not mistaken. Okay. Uh, you're like, I don't know. <laughs> it premiered at Sundance last year uh, with a limited theatrical release, with then a, and then the Discovery Channel ended up putting it out. I believe they paid for it in the first place. And what this is is a uh, you know, documentary is the wrong word because it's not really – I mean, it is a documentary, but it's more of a – like a propaganda piece, really. Yeah, it's, yeah. Like I mean, a, a good. Editorial. I think it's a good one, mm-hmm. but like, it's you know, here's why we're doomed. Okay, <laughs> but we're gonna make it real pretty. Is it because of uh, extinction? Yeah, basically saying we're, we're going to be the sixth extinction because there have been five other ex- major extinction mm-hmm, on mm-hmm. Earth, and that the human race will be the sixth one, and we'll have done it to ourselves. That's cool. And it's kind of going point by point. All the shit that's going on that is making this happen, like all all these different levels, not like going like, oh, let's watch these ice icebergs melt, but really like, okay, so stuff like um, 
it, well, it really gets into the uh, uh, the killing off of species right now, the speed at which we're extincting other species, mm-hmm. which is, you know, that whole theory. It's like, it's nothing weird about species going extinct. It's like, yeah, the numbers are completely weird, <laughs> trust me. Like, it, the normal number is something like, it's like five every 10 years and we're at like 500. Yeah. <laughs> so, and it goes into like, what's all the illegal Chinese whaling trade and all that stuff. And it's actually a really well-made thing. That's kind of horrifying. Um, I'm cool with extinction cause life will survive. Like humans might not, but life will survive. So well, life will survive, but still that's the whole thing. Do we really want to kill all these other species? That's not great. Well, if we sniff ourselves out, then it's fine. I mean, I think what it comes down to is like this, it's not so much there's got to be another way to do this as there is other ways to do this. It's just the people with power and money are spending a lot of that money to keep you from what, letting us do this because they'd lose money. Self-interest is selfish. <laughs> you know, which isn't even in question that that's happening. Mm-hmm. That's just fact that's yeah, happening. Yeah. You can track that. You know, it's like, yeah, we totally could fix it. Ask Elon Musk, who appears in this as well. Oh, okay. <laughs> But I actually really did, in fact, enjoy this uh, quite a bit. I'm sure it would be interesting to read a uh, not fervently right-wing analysis, but a a skeptical analysis Mm -hmm. and see what exactly of their claims was 100% true. What in here is like, eh, well, you may have fudged it a little bit. Because these type of things tend to, you know, no matter how well-intentioned, tend to to make their point get a little fudgy around the facts. Hey, at least this didn't have Al Gore. Uh, no, it did not. I don't even believe he was mentioned, surprisingly. It's got Jane Goodall. Yeah. That's kind of cool. I didn't even know she was be. still alive. Yeah, well, I always forget. Like, wait, which one was killed in the, in the Sigourney Weaver thing? <laughs> <laughs> She's in the mist. Don't worry yeah, about okay. it. Yeah, uh, okay. But, yeah, I think the best thing about this is it's actually very well filmed, very well edited, very pretty, you okay. know, very enjoyable to watch in that way. Sort of like you can just kind of zen out on it, uh, except for when they're like, oh, and here's a whale being murdered. You're like, ah! I was just zenning out on that. Well, I guess it is how you murder a whale. You should come with a big warning. Do not watch Wall High. No matter how much it seems at first, it might be good for that. Unless you're into whale killing. Unless that's your thing. Yeah. Some people are. Send me around because I think I'm going to have to jerk off this whale being killed. (laughs) Oh. (laughs) All right. So next up is, uh, do I really have to sell anybody at this point on Best Picture Winner Spotlight? Yeah, watch it. It's great. It's the best. (laughs) Like, kids getting diddled. It's, oh, my God, the papers. (laughs) The favors, the favors. <laughs> there you go. There, there's the synopsis. Uh, this is Spotlight, directed by Tom McCarthy, who has made not only one of the best films of the last decade, but also one of the worst. He directed before this The Cobbler, that Adam Sandler. Oh, yeah. okay. You're like, how is this the same fucking guy? Maybe he just had to get all the, 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 the bad practices out of his system. Well, I mean, to be fair, like the other film that was most, in my mind, like, Equally worthy of Best Picture this year, The Big Short, was mm-hmm. directed by a guy who previously only made Will Ferrell comedies. Wow. Adam McKay. Yeah. So, you know, moving on up. Man, the director of, of Grown Ups 2 is he's ready for greatness. <laughs> he's so ready. It's like, man, I'm making a Holocaust film about a retarded guy who's gay. And tap dances. <laughs> and tap dances. <laughs> uh, no, this is... Uh, 
Honestly, one of the best journalistic procedural films I've seen in a very long time. Yeah, it was much better than uh, Truth. Yeah, that that crap. I know you didn't <laughs> like Truth. I liked Truth, but I agree this is much, much better. Mm. Uh, it's such a wonderful ensemble cast here of Mark Ruffalo, Michael Keaton, Rachel McAdams, John Slattery, Stanley Tucci, Ryan Darcy James, Liev Schreiber, and Billy Crudup. Uh, proving, to my mind, between this and The Big Short this year, and some of the awkwardness of how people were nominated from these films for mm-hmm. acting, that there really should be a Best Ensemble Cast Award at the Oscars. Yeah, yeah that'd be pretty nice. It was more appropriate for these films by a, by a huge margin, as basically these journalists of the Boston Globe uh, start investigating uh, accusations of the Catholic churches there uh, covering up the sexual abuse of children and then discovering the problem was a lot bigger than they thought it was. Uh, all true, mind you. So yeah. I this for the ages. No, they didn't. Catholic church, very rapey. Just yeah. Saying. Very rapey, very covering up rapey. Uh, and this is... I think what's good about this, A, it's just fun to watch these characters interact. Well, it's just fun to watch Michael Keaton in his, like, his second oeuvre yeah. of his career. Yeah. Just, just a whole like, different stage of his career. Yeah. Doing Batman's his back. <laughs> Is that what you should have said? They should have. You should have, yeah. Line. Should have at one point just turned to the camera and said something in a gravelly voice. Yeah. Why do you think you need to find the truth? Because I'm Batman. I'm Batman. <laughs> Yeah, it should have been like a strange masked vigilante showed up and beat up a bunch of priests today. <laughs> are we going to investigate that? No, we are not. Now, on to the rest of the story. I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> uh, it's that those performances are so good that you actually really do understand everything that's happening in this very complicated series mm-hmm. of events. Yeah, yeah. But it makes it very clear what's going on. And then at that point where the movie really tips its hand to this is so much worse than you could have possibly imagined. Mm-hmm. Even though you may know the real story of what happened here, it's a truly horrifying moment. Yeah. It's a gut punch of a moment, realizing the scope of this thing. Yes, this is very true. Poor poor little guys. <laughs> Aww. You're I'm like, not trying to mean, but I kind of am. Joe's sympathy corner. Hey, that was it. I gave it to him. You're, I'll edit in some soft, pretty music here. Go ahead. Okay. Joe's sympathy corner. That, that, that sucks. <laughs> <laughs> We're going to have to work on that. Okay. Yeah. Uh, I'll get emotions at some point. There's not uh, hardly any featurettes here at all. Uh, there's a... Uh, a the real globe employees that these actors are playing here are interviewed in a round table for like six and a half minutes that could have been an hour and a half feature well most of it really was on npr was it yeah okay. yeah interv- interviewing the real people well they should have included the audio for that they should have uh there is a really fast two and a half minute look at the story uh from interviews and clips and films an epk featurette basically and then there's a three uh and a quarter minute piece called the state of journalism that is once again pretty much like an epk well uh, well actually it's it's quite a uh statement about the state of journalism that it's so short <laughs> yeah exactly <laughs> uh next up is i smile back this is. Did you watch this one? Did you? Okay, I couldn't remember if I had loaned this one, given this one to you or not. Uh, this is Sarah Silverman playing a, a very serious, hardcore, dramatic role, which mm-hmm. nobody saw coming. Uh, like, what was it? Uh, Richard was saying the other day. I smile back is the best performance in the most mediocre film this year. Indeed. <laughs> like you're like, and it's not that it's a terrible film. It just in con like in comparison to how good that performance is, the film is like yeah, well, just kind of eh. And then she is like, you think you're in a better film than this, don't you? 
Well, maybe she can get the next one. Uh, but it is, I think, well worth watching to see. Wow, Sarah Silverman's got some chops, mm-hmm. man. Uh, she plays Lainey, who is a suburban mom, two children, good-looking husband, who loves the hell out of her. Well, it's Josh Charles. Yeah, I don't know about well, good-looking. Uh, you know, I mean, I guess it's a matter sports of night. opinion. Yeah. Oh, God, you and your damn sports night. He was in Dead Poet Society. Yeah, and sports night. <laughs> and Hairspray. I don't have to repeat myself. <laughs> and SWAT. Okay, well, uh, now it gets passed. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I was looking for something better. I couldn't buy anything. Uh, and they live in like a nice, somewhat rich people home. Yeah, in Perfectopia. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and then it turns out that she suffers from really severe depression mood swings and is desperately addicted to like coke and all sorts of shit and cannot really she can't kick it. She's having an affair on the side with their best friends, like the other couple that they hang out with, with the husband and that couple. Mm-hmm. And she's just fucking up all over the place. But doing this great job, generally, it seems like before that, of keeping a, keeping it like uh, making no one know that that's what's happening. Mm-hmm. She's no, I'm happy. I'm a good mom. But this is at that point where that facade is disintegrating. Well, I don't know. So like the the title is "I Smile Back." Wasn't really doing much smiling. So there, no. it falls flat. Uh, I, I do have to commend it that at the beginning, I thought she was just one of those vacuous assholes who like, oh, I'm nihilistic because everything's so existentially boring. <laughs> but then it's like, oh, wait, you really got some problems. Yeah. <laughs> like you got some serious issues. And you do start to really feel for her as it goes along. Uh, and then you kind of, or I, yeah. I was like, well, I mean, ah, okay, I'm done. I, that is kind of the, it's supposed to be a conversation. I, I, I'll say that about mm-hmm. that. Like, well, where do you go? Because this film definitely doesn't offer any answers at all yeah. for people who might be suffering anything similar or for this character. It, it has a really bleak ending, yeah. you know? Um, and I think it challenges, it's trying to challenge its audience on the both feeling for this woman and finding her just completely despicable. Yeah. And I think the biggest problem is that as great as Silverman is as doing that, the script is not so great. Well, I mean, uh, her character is a lot like a family member of mine to where at at a certain point you just have to take the pragmatic view of like, yeah, I know there's a lot beyond your control, but uh, you're too you're too caustic for me to be around. Yeah, you're you're gonna damage my life as well. Yeah, and I'm like not severely. Going, I am not going to be your mystical, magical like helper in your right. life that throws my, all my shit away to fix you. So in that way, it was a lot like real life. <laughs> yeah, I guess it was that. I didn't think about that. But yeah, I smile back. You always uh, and by the way, full frontal nudity from Sarah Silverman for those of you. Mm, that's right for the first time in 3D. Yeah, which is not actually sexy at all when you see it. It's like, wow, I'm just kind of depressed of watching fact. this. Very matter <laughs> of fact, yeah, uh, yeah. She gets she gets like a totally ass fucked on screen. Mm-hmm. Yeah, mm-hmm. Uh, that was a great line though. You can't love a woman who you just fucked in the ass. <laughs> yeah, it was indeed. Uh, like I said, I wish this had been a better film, but I think it's going to mean. Now, everybody, all these critics, having seen this and responded so strongly, she's going to have the door open to much more interesting roles. Which I'd like to see. I would like to see as well. I think she does a tremendous job in this otherwise not that great film. Uh, Pixar's latest, The Good Dinosaur, had the misfortune of coming out the same year as Pixar's previous film, Inside Out. (laughs) Well, I have to say, to be fair, I hated both. Yeah, you did? I hated hated this one worse, except... The environmental rendering will, was fantastic. I will never understand you, Joe Brown. Hey, you know, those poor kids. <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
Well, I thought Inside Out was a masterpiece that deserved the Academy Award. It, did, it got you, apparently, disagree. Yeah. Fair enough. You're on Richard's side on that one. <laughs> uh, the Good Dinosaur is, it, like, I thought clearly not as good as Inside Out. However, you're right. The best thing about it are the photorealistic, astonishing environmental to the, animation. To the point where when characters would come in, you were actually ripped away from how beautiful it was. What was the biggest problem is they, like, they... They shouldn't have made the environment as beautiful it was because right. all the characters looked like very low detailed cartoons, mm-hmm. you know, and you're like, these characters don't belong in this environment. Nope. It just seems weird. And eventually I got over it, but it was very jarring for the first 20 minutes or so of the yeah. dinosaur. Like, whoa. Uh, and the story here, like, you know, alternate timeline, which they like to be fair to people who were screaming about it initially, they make it very clear. This is not what happened. Yeah, I don't <laughs> I don't care. Like, that was not my problem. I was fine with that. That the asteroid that would have caused the extinction of the dinosaurs never happened. And that uh, so humans started to evolve, uh, which probably wouldn't have happened no. if the dinosaurs nope. had still been around. But the dinosaurs have evolved into being like, uh, well, at least a lot of them are, are farmers and such like. Like, yeah. Later like on, they're like, T-Rexes raise cattle. That's right. <laughs> Sam Elliott. Well, you got come on. There's no one else to play that but Sam Elliott. Well, him and, and Patrick Swayze would have been in it, but somebody <laughs> yeah, but had to die had first. To die. Uh, and it's an adventure as, like, the, the hero uh, dinosaur in here, Arlo, uh, play, voiced by Raymond Okoa. Ochoa. Ochoa? Mm-hmm. I, I don't know. Uh, who is, in fact, a child actor who's mainly been in child films. Uh, he's a, a young aptosaur who ends up, after his father dies, he gets swept away while trying to chase a, uh, a little cave boy who's been stealing their food. And they both get swept way down, way away. And they end up having to become team up together to try and get back. And... Uh, they of course eventually become great friends. Although more like Arlo's really uh, makes the little kid his pet, even calling him Spot. Yes, I mean who the kid is a dog in this. Yes. They play him like a dog. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, before watching it, I, I thought to myself, so what happens? Like, there's a a, a young focal character who a great tragedy happens in the first fifteen minutes, and then they have to go through this harrowing journey where they learn something about the. Yeah. Oh wait, that's what happened. It's it's a very Disney film. No, it's a very Pixar film. Well, that's that's but that's Disney since the earliest days. Yeah, you know? but but oh god, they perfected the formula of like. <laughs> Like, I am not going to be surprised by anything. Uh, and no, there are no real surprises in here. I, like I said, I think that the actual animation they were doing for those environments was kind of groundbreaking at points. Oh, absolutely. It's the most beautiful water animation you have ever seen. Mm-hmm. Like, so real, you're like, are you sure they didn't just film this with real water? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like, I, I'm not sure still. Uh, you know, some decent voices here and there. Nobody who's re- like really the only standout voice here was Sam Elliott as uh, the yeah. T Rex. Who, who, you know, the, oddly they make the T Rex as good guys here, where the bad guys are pterodactyls. I, okay, well, if you say so, like culty in, religious pterodactyls, yeah, assholes in the sky. <laughs> I don't know. This is like one of those like I hadn't I had fun with it, but it's a minor Pixar film. You know, it should have been a short. Yeah, and uh, speaking of shorts, the short that actually is on here, I was kind of disappointed with as well. Um, now I realize Pixar wants to be everybody to everything, so it did a, like everything to everybody. So it made one about this little Indian boy and his father called Sanjay's Super Team, where he is like playing, well, just wants to play with the superheroes, and his father's like, "Shut up, I'm trying to pray." 
and uh, and he makes the kid come over to pray with him, and then the kid goes into this whole fantasy where he fights. I don't know what the fuck it's supposed to be. Something that comes up that's evil because he accidentally blows out the candle, <laughs> and uh, the various incarnations of the the Hindi gods turn into super colorful superheroes, mm, and then he's mm-hmm. like, "Oh, Dad, now these are my superheroes," which feels kind of pandery. Yeah, uh, was was Durga in it? <laughs> no, I don't know. Oh, Who's yeah. Durga? Uh, goddess of marriage. I would not be able to tell okay. you. Well, she had a lot of arms. Well, Every, okay, everybody did. That's what are you talking helping. about? They all had like <laughs> twenty three arms or something. Okay, just arms all over the fucking place for for miles. Yeah, uh, and then of course this being Pixar, it's just packed with like small featurettes about every detail of the making of this thing, uh, audio commentaries, deleted scenes, yada yada. Uh, it's like I said, it's a minor Pixar film, but it's still by almost by definition, still better than most Hollywood uh, theatrical animated films. It's just for Pixar, pretty minor effort. I know. I can say something good. It wasn't Hotel Transylvania 1 or 2. I'm, yeah, I haven't seen either one. Ooh, I but I figured just it. by virtue of Adam Sandler being the lead character, it was probably not worth my time. <laughs> Although it was Jendi Tartakovsky. Yeah, which was surprising. Yeah. Uh, next up is Room. I don't know if you got to see this I or didn't not. get to see and it. And I'm so sorry. Uh, because Maybe this Chris. is one of the ones I just got and it was it came out like two days ago. So it was like, fuck, okay, I got to put this on the list. But I did get to see this, and you should know about this by now. If for no other reason, Brie Larson, the wonderful, incredibly talented and beautiful Brie Larson, plays the lead character in this film and won, in fact, Best Actress this mm-hmm. year, very deservedly, mm-hmm. for uh, her performance, as well as being nominated for three other Academy Awards. Um, it's her and her five-year-old son, Jack, played by Jacob Tremblay, who we've been seeing everywhere lately. Uh, they live in this tiny little shed that they just call room because Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. she was put there Yeah, and she was like Mm -hmm. 19 or so. Ripped from the headlines. Yeah. (laughs) Ripped from a city street where a rapey guy took her Mm -hmm. and abducted Mm -hmm. her, brought her in there and then just comes in and like rapes her once every couple days. Oh, that's not good. Uh, But she's, and through this rape, she's had this kid Mm -hmm. and it's years later. And at this point she just kind of like, I don't know what to do. So I just, he comes in, she makes him hide in the closet, little thing they got there. And then he, he rapes her while she lies there and then goes away. And then they come out and she tells this kid that the room is all there is. That's, mm. There's nothing else. This is the universe is room. Right. And they even have a TV and she's like, no, that's all stuff that's made up for our, our like entertainment. Hey, none, none of that is real. Not totally wrong. <laughs> but then an opportunity comes to escape. What? But it's going to depend on sending the kid out Uh-oh. to do it. And then she has to explain to him that the world is real and what it is and how to do stuff. Boy. And yeah. And uh, you would think that's the entire film. It's not. That's only the first like uh, half of the film. Maybe, okay. maybe third. And the rest is them out dealing with the real world. Her, like, you know, she can't really deal with it either. And her family doesn't really know how to deal with what happened. Uh, uh, her mother and father separated Joan played by Joan Allen and William H. Macy, but they're having a really hard time dealing with this and with him because he's the product of rape. Right. You know? Um, and he just doesn't even know what to make of the world. And it's a really fascinating, well-told film that is not scary. Like it sounds. Okay. (laughs) Like you could actually watch this with your mom. Oh, mom. (laughs) Joe's sympathy corner. Oh, wait, hold on. Hey, you got out. (laughs) 
Yeah, we definitely got to work on that. Uh, Room is one of the, the definitely one of the top films from 2015 that I say by all means go out and watch it at your first opportunity. Uh, if for no other reason, because Brie Larson, who's already slowly evolving to bigger parts, is now going to be considered a list actress like she deserves, and you're going to be seeing her in fucking everything. Man, her and Sarah Silverman just fighting for them parts. <laughs> I know, <laughs> right? Yeah. But I, that, these are exciting times. I want to watch them fight for those parts. I kind of do, too. Uh, next up is, I think, Joe's pick of the week. Oh, uh, well, maybe. I don't know. You know, let's just see how it goes. Uh, and that is Creed. Yeah. Finally Woo! out on Blu-ray. Or also, I guess it would be uh, Rocky 7? Yes. 7 is yes. what it would be, yes. technically? Yes. It's hard yes. to keep track because Rocky 6 yeah, was five, just five Rocky was the Tommy Machine Gun, what's-his-face. Right. And then Rocky Balboa was... Uh, Jess from Gilmore Girls is a little asshole, and then this is like, whoa, it's a good movie again. I thought Rocky Balboa is like the second best of the whole series. No, I'm just saying that I hated Jess from Gilmore Girls. Okay, all right. Well, yeah, I have no. I opinion. really hate him. I'm, I anyway. never watched Gilmore Girls. Well, that's your fault. That's true, <laughs> but I think it may be beneficial in this particular case. <laughs> okay, so that you can enjoy the Rocky movie. <laughs> exactly. Okay. That was my only point. Because right. listening to you, I'm like, well, shit, I loved Rocky Balboa. <laughs> I would have hated it if I came into it like, man, fuck her. <laughs> well, Jess, Jess was a, a, a Milo Ventimiglia. Man, it was one of the problems I had so much trouble getting into Mad Men was because the one guy in there was Angel's son from Angel, who everybody fucking oh, hated. Yeah, like, that's he right. He hated him on there. He was the worst on that show. Mm-hmm. And so right off the bat, I was like, Fuck that guy. <laughs> Courtney gets so mad. She's keep like, walking. no, keep watching. He's an interesting character. No. no. Keep walking. Fuck that guy. <laughs> uh, no, Creed features none of these things we were just talking about. It does have Stallone reprising the role of Rocky Balboa, which he was nominated for and sadly did not win Best Supporting No, because he was year. fantastic he in was it. so great. I think it's best performance in this whole film. Well, Stallone, oh, God, such a such a storied career because he, he can be a good writer. Oh, yeah. He can he, be a good he actor. Wrote and directed and starred in the first Rocky. Yeah. Well, so he's all him. It's weird. Like he and Vin Diesel have this ability where they, they're really talented. They just don't always choose to use it. Yeah. Well, they want to make a big, big paycheck. Right. And plus, they're both huge dudes who realize that it's a lot of fun to make action movies. Yeah. yeah. So, so, so this one is definitely cake and eating it, too. Yeah, it really is. As it introduces a new character, the uh, previously unmentioned son of Rocky's former nemesis, then best friend Apollo Creed. Mm-hmm. Uh, who has is now basically finding out that in fact he he didn't even know he was the son of Apollo Creed, right. but he was also already training to be a boxer. And he's coming to their world, and he fi- he when he finds all this out, he tracks down Rocky. He's like, "I need you to train me to be a boxer." And Rocky doesn't want to do it, but then he does want to do it. And yet, you know, it's a Rocky movie, mm-hmm. just with a new character with Rocky taking the part yeah. of the trainer. I mean, and- it's it's like eighty percent the first Rocky movie. Yeah, yeah, like eighty percent. Yeah, it's it was funny. The exact same people I knew who were criticizing The Force Awakens for being mm-hmm. like, oh, it's just beat for beat the first star- like Star Wars film. I was like, yeah, you were just raving about Creed a few right, weeks which ago. which is the same damn thing. <laughs> which is the exact same th- doing the same fucking thing. <laughs> which I never minded for a second here. I mean, no. It's rebooting the series with a new actor, basically. Well, and like this one's a handoff. And yeah. it was, so is the, so is the, the Force Awakens. Awakens. So is Force Awakens. So, fine. It made sense to me. Uh, Michael B. Jordan does an excellent job here, I believe. Oh, yeah, role. he really does. He, it, it's so good that, that uh, it's like, oh, hey, you know that that Fantastic Four? Don't worry about that, bro. That's a pass. Oh, I totally. <laughs> That's I had, a pass. Oh, thanks a lot. I'd forgotten about that. <laughs> and now it's all come rushing back, Joe. 
We'll just torch it away. The horror. The horror. Uh, a lot of, a, a decent amount of extra features on here. 15 minutes on a selection of interviews of everyone involved in here talking about the history of Rocky. Uh, there's about six minute featurette on how Jordan had to like, like Buff work up. for about a year yeah. to look like he could be a boxer. Even so, there's still points. I was like, yeah, dude, you're not a boxer. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, good thing you're a good actor because your physique ain't cutting it quite yet. You're, yeah, not, you're, you're not there. You're not scary. Yeah, when the, like the big fight for him, I was like, that dude would have fucking tore you to pieces. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> uh, there's about 20 minutes of deleted scenes, which uh, 11 scenes in total, which apparently aren't separately listed. So you pretty much have to watch them straight through yeah, if you they're, want. They're, they're mostly just uh house songs <laughs> uh creed is definitely one of those movies that if you were a little worried about it which i who could blame you for yeah. being worried don't be well it's I, super yeah. fun i mean it, for me it was the best scenario because you know i had already been through rocky five so at worst it was going to be rocky five and then it turned out being amazing yeah yeah so. well, yeah rocky five is still by far the worst <laughs> i think rocky four second worst and then after that, I understand any amount of like, like juggling about your favorite is sublime. See, people go there and they're wrong. Okay, I'm just gonna say that if you like Rocky Four, you're wrong. That is a terrible movie. So, now you can like it, but you gotta admit it's a terrible. movie. Oh no, I wasn't saying it was a great. movie. Okay, okay, yeah. Because yeah. you can say no, no, no. I had a lot of fun, and I I can accept that. But please do not say that's one of the better Rocky movies. No, it is not. But uh, personal story time. Uh, right <laughs> after. Uh, uh, very hard divorce and i was a bitter broken man uh i went to my to my favorite pub and uh, it was a sunday afternoon and just sitting outside drinking and having cigarettes and rocky four came on and that was the exact thing i needed to get back into life and now chris's sympathy corner Uh, you got to drink some beer exactly (laughs) see finally a guy who gets me on an emotional level (laughs) uh next up is macbeth Oh, Macbeth. M- Macbeth. Macbeth. Yeah, this is a story of this girl named Beth who works at McDonald's. No, at the Mac counter. At the Mac counter. Yeah, yeah she's, she's a really... genius. Genius. Oh, no, no, no. Cos- cosmetics. Oh, looking pretty. I see. I don't Face know painting. See, that's where you lost me. Yeah. I don't know okay. anything about looking pretty. You hated St. Laurent. <laughs> I did. <laughs> I really did. I'm willing to come out and say it. Fuck that movie. Fuck it like Rocky Five. Hey, uh, you know what? It can go away with a good dinosaur. <laughs> uh, watch it. Uh, Macbeth is the latest adaptation of the Shakespearean tragedy and probably his best tragedy. Mm-hmm. I'm mm-hmm. willing to go that far. Yeah. Um, Bring up like uh, this director, Justin Curzel, who I believe is also going to be working on the next film with uh, um, uh, Michael Fassbender and. Um, um, Rocky uh, Marion Cotillard. Yeah, oh, like, I think her. they're they're no. working immediately. Oh, it's Assassin's Creed. They're, oh, they're okay. both in that, and he's directing it. So it's like, oh, that's like right after. Um, and uh, that's a, and, and they must have really enjoyed working together. And I will say, he's a wonderful visual director. Like the visual adaptation of this is like it's fantastic. You've never seen anything like it. Um, 
However, this really needed some audio work. It's yes. really made pacing made so drawn yeah. out. Yeah, there's just I mean, so it's, much it's like the slowest, dullest version of Macbeth in terms of pacing ever. Well, uh, and I couldn't, I like, like I said, like please do something to f- clean up the audio because it was so muddy. Mm-hmm. And Shakespeare is hard enough to understand sometimes oh, as yeah. it is. And you're like, look, I know a lot of this dialogue. Is I've seen this one maybe more than any of the other Shakespeare plays except for Romeo and Juliet and. Uh, uh, a Midsummer Night's Dream, and I'm like, even then, I'm having trouble parsing exactly right. what they're saying at points. But uh, you know, at at best, I'm like, okay, well, at least it's real pretty, yeah, and it is. <laughs> well, uh, part of the thing is that uh, with, with Shakespeare, it's not impossible to adapt to, to film, yeah, but it's certainly an it, uphill battle anytime. It loses something in the translation, mm-hmm. absolutely. I, I, it, you know. You know, he's trying to do what so many other directors have done, either well or not at all, well before by really transposing a lot of the elements to a very filmic sense. Um, Not necessarily universe. I mean, this is taking place in the appropriate time period and Mm -hmm. everything. But, like, that can work well. I mean, I think uh, Basil Ehrman's Romeo and Juliet's a great example. Oh, yeah. Like, really adopting that whole, like, we have to really really think about this in film terms. Right. And, and featuring John Leguizamo as the best Tybalt I've ever seen. Yeah. I, I agreed. And I don't say that often about John Leguizamo. <laughs> no, you don't. For being best of something you've ever seen. But, you know, Fassbender is Macbeth. Of course he's amazing. He's Michael mm-hmm. Fassbender. He does a great job in the role. Marion Cotillard, also amazing as Lady Macbeth here. You got Patty Considine as Banquo. Sean Harris as Macduff. Uh, uh, David Thewlis as King Duncan. I mean, there's great performances all through this. It's just so buried in, like... Just a, it feels like the whole production is covered in mud, even yeah. though like, even though their their words. Yes, <laughs> yeah, it's slogging through uh, Ethereum. It, it really is. I, I I know a lot of people who really did enjoy this greatly, and I just couldn't. There was a point about halfway through. I was like, please just let this go ahead and fucking end. <laughs> um, I now I saw it in the theater. I admit I probably will like this better when eventually I get around to watching it again with subtitles. Where I'm like, mm. oh, now I can actually hear everything everybody's saying. <laughs> <laughs> Felt like a deaf guy, you know? Yeah. I don't feel like I have to worry about offending any deaf people because... What are you doing listening to a podcast? <laughs> <laughs> oh, no, I'm not trying to be offensive towards deaf people because they're wonderful. <laughs> I love them. Chris's Sympathy Corner. Uh, uh, Joe's statement with help. <laughs> Next up is Sisters. Wow, was this movie undervalued? I uh, didn't get to see it. It's, I know. I'm sorry. It's another one that just came and mm, already mm-hmm, was out. Mm-hmm, sorry. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, I, it's funny because it got very kind of mixed reviews. And when I walked out of it, I was like, God damn, that was funny as shit. Like, that was one of the funniest movies I've seen this year. And so did everybody who went with me. So I'm like, who is fucking hating this movie? It's Tina Fey and Amy Poehler as sisters, which right there, you're like, well... Yeah, let's watch it. Well, I mean, didn't they didn't they shoot this in the womb by having it released uh, against Force Awakens? Oh no, it came out the same weekend. Yeah, I think, yeah, or the weekend right before or something. And it was like, okay, but that doesn't change. I, I I'm not surprised it didn't make a shit ton of money, uh-huh. but I am surprised it got mixed reviews from critics. Oh, I see. Th- that's what I'm saying. Uh, basically, the two of them play sisters. Um, uh, Amy Poehler is the more sort of like sticking stick up her butt sister. You know, I mean, she's what? not she's not an asshole stick up your butt. She's just kind of like, you know, play by the rules. I'm no, I wouldn't want to do that. That would be dangerous. Oh, I only drink two glasses of wine. Does Tina types. Does Tina Fey do Tina Fey dance? Tina Fey, yes. Okay, and she is the wild party girl. The oh. two sisters. Yeah. 
Uh, and the two of them uh, come back to their home, old home in Orlando, uh, be, uh, asked to clean out the things from their old childhood bedroom, which is exactly the way they left it, uh, by their parents, played by Dion Wiest and James Brolin. God, I and was it, hoping you were going to say Dion Warwick. <laughs> and it, that would be interesting. And it turns out that uh, they're selling the house, and the girls aren't happy about it, but they decide, we're going to throw one last giant fucking party in this house. Ditching keggers. Yeah. Uh, and which they find is more difficult than you think, because all of everyone there is like almost 40 or like all their old friends and they just kind of they do what 40 year olds do at parties most of the time they sit around and they talk about like what school they just got their kid into and yeah, like, how their back hurts so they they find ways to make it into a totally insane party and then it turns into one of those wow out of control party movies mm-hmm. that is much better than 99 percent of the other out of control party movies i've seen so, in the last several years can't hardly wait is still above it right can't hardly wait holds a special place in my heart as it should but if for no other reason that it's the john hughes movie john hughes didn't make or because clarissa's in it explaining nothing i you see Melissa joan hart never mind don't Uh, worry about it well i I, that was that point where uh what was the name the dream girl on that uh you know the one that main character was in love with yeah i think she was a three-namer yeah, Jennifer Love Hewitt. Yeah, 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 yeah. I totally had such a crush on her back then, so I was like, oh, man, yeah, that would be... I'd be in the same position. I used to refer to her as the neck. <laughs> the neck? She had a long neck. She does. She's a little giraffe A little swan-like. Yeah. Uh, well, she couldn't be a dancer, though, that's for sure. <laughs> She's a little top-heavy. A little bit. A little bit. Uh, I actually had so much fun with this movie, and it's got people like Maya Rudolph. Uh, John Cena has one of the funniest surprise appearances in any movie this year his character in this has so many great one-liners it's like damn that guy is actually funny john leguizamo bonnie bobby moynihan is really funny in this rachel dratch samantha b uh chris parnell it's a great cast of people that ends up being if you like those type of like party out of control films I really think this is one of the ones that you, you don't want to miss. It's one I can't wait to watch again. Well, there you go. Yeah. I I, th- I can't wait to watch it at least once. I thoroughly loved the shit out of it. Uh, next up is Justice League Cosmic Clash. Oh, wait. I forgot to mention Lego Justice League. Yeah. Back up a little a li- bit. A little different. This is not DC's animated universe in terms of like, oh, this continues the story. Where's Damian Wayne in this? No. <laughs> No, 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 no. This is their their never-ending series of animated Lego films, and not, like, of the level of quality of the yeah. Lego movie, mind Par- you. Parents gotta cook, I contend. <laughs> but, that being said, this ain't bad. Okay. You know, it's Brainiac. Hey, gee, we finally get Brainiac. It's about damn time. And it's actually kind of funny. I mean, it's not laugh-out-loud funny, but I was like... Watching this going, wow, this is, like, filled with, like, really obscure DC Comics references and Mm in-jokes. And, like, I mean, it's clear there's enough in here that is meant for some adults to enjoy this as well. That I was like, huh, this is actually a lot better than I thought it was going to (laughs) be. By no means great, but still watchable as the story's Brainiac is looking for new things to add to his collection of miniaturized planets and uh-huh. he wants to do it to the earth and the justice league firsthand just kicked the shit out of him but then it's gonna happen brainiac but then he comes back and time warps superman wonder woman and green lantern all to uh 
different periods of time where okay. not only has he done that, but they forget who they are and sort of just adjust into that period. Oops. So Batman, with the help of the Flash, has to go back and rescue them from those times. I love periods. the Flash's head in these things. It's so cute. <laughs> it's kind of weird looking. Uh, and, you know, uses the cosmic treadmill, which is the weirdest fucking... I can't wait for them to put that in the TV show. <laughs> <laughs> so it always makes me laugh. Change the name is all I'm saying. Um, and, and, you know, you get Cy- the, the Justice League here is Batman, Superman, Wonder Woman, Green Lantern, Cyborg, and The Flash. But you also get Supergirl, Saturn Girl, Cosmic Boy, Lightning Lad, Vandal Savage is in this, Captain Fear. It's, uh, you know, brings out a lot of, like, minor characters for this as well. Yeah, get him some, get him some screen time. And it's short enough and cute enough, it's 78 minutes, that you won't regret having sat through, okay, through, cool. through watching it. I mean, it's it's better than some of the other Lego ones I've seen. Uh, had fun with it. Certainly not at the level of quality of the primary DC animated universe, but hey, it is what it is. Uh, next up is a, I thought, pretty wonderful little horror title called Intruders. Did you get to watch this one? I did. I'm just trying to think about how I felt about it. Well, it was one of those, like, I just was so convinced it was a different movie than it was, you know, because it's like, oh, it's a home invasion movie with this woman who, uh, who's father or her brother has just died who she lived in this beautiful old home with Mm -hmm. of cancer and she is so what is it agoraphobic yes when you're afraid to go outside uh she's so agoraphobic i mean she just starts hallucinating the moment she steps outside pissing herself yeah so she cannot she can't go to the funeral her sister's calling going hey where are you she's like yeah i'm not gonna go and uh, a bunch of dudes show up to rob the house and look for uh, a stash of money that they just know has got to be in there somewhere Mm -hmm. because they think she's going to be gone in the funeral. Well, she's not, and she's there, and she can't leave the house. So she ends up first like, okay, well, I don't know what to do. And she starts realizing these guys are going to have to, they're going to have to kill her. And they're not the killing type, really, except for Martin Starr, who plays one of them in uh, almost... And dude. you almost can't tell because they give him such a huge beard and he's not playing a Martin Starrish type character. Oh, well, I mean, in in, in uh, the the little movies that he's doing a lot of, it, it was very Martin Starr. Was it? Okay. <laughs> I, I, I think of him more of like a, uh, you know, uh, what was it in? The Wonder Years? Oh, Freaks and Geeks? Oh, Freaks and Geeks. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> and then uh, and then the one he's on now, Silicon Valley. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Which admittedly, he's playing a Satanist, but still. Yeah, Canadian. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and when she comes to terms with that, she figures out a way to fight back that turns out to be very surprising. For them, not her. <laughs> for them, not for her. Where you're like, oh, that explains a lot of other stuff. Yeah. I actually really enjoyed this. I thought it was, it's kind of like, like um, a, you know, it's not a home invasion movie like the other ones where you're always like, who are the home invaders? They're always like, wow, we don't even know who these guys yeah. are. But it's almost kind of your next-ish. Yeah, it was, it was more of a like, oh, you guys fucked up. Yeah, yeah. It's like oh, you you like in there. It was more like okay, so you went up against a very strong, powerful woman. Here, yeah, she's she's powerful, but in a very broken, different way. Yeah, yeah. She's she's, she's a raging monster. It's like you went up against someone more crazy than you are. Yeah. Bad call. Don't don't go up against fucked up. Yeah, yeah. Because you're gonna lose. <laughs> I actually really enjoyed this. I thought that ultimately, when the twist came, I was like, I guess I should have seen that coming. Mm. I didn't, but I guess I should have. I could totally see how someone was like, what, you didn't see that coming? Uh, I would say I did not hate it. Yeah? Yeah, I was like, oh, okay, this is all right. I thought it was well-directed. I thought the lead actress did a wonderful job in this. But, you know, I, I'm I'm fine with Martin Starr, but in this, I really wasn't. I was just like, <laughs> something about him bugged me. It was the beard. 
He doesn't deserve a beard. Well, that's true. It was a, quite a Kenny Loggins beard. He hasn't earned that beard. <laughs> he can't even change a tire. No. I doubt. Oh, come on. You know Martin Stark can't change a tire. There's no way. A tire? You mean one of my servants? Dude, the dude, dude has been acting since he was like a little kid. He's never had to change a tire. <laughs> <laughs> Surprised if he knows how to use a microwave. You mean one of those limo wheels? I mean, to be fair, Elijah Wood knows how to do all that shit. So. Well, yeah. yeah. Eli's. But we like him. Eli's a good guy. He's one of us. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Intruders, I really liked it. Joe was okay with it. So, yeah. Uh, Victoria, next up. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, a odd film in the sense that it was really was filmed in one complete shot. Yes. Uh, like, there was a lot about Birdman being that way, and there were several breaks during Birdman that were well hidden. Victoria really was filmed all on one continuous shot, and it's hard as fuck to believe it. Because it's an action film. Yeah. <laughs> um, it's a German drama that uh, follows this the, the lead character, Victoria, who's Spanish, who just moved to Berlin. She works in a cafe. She doesn't really speak German, doesn't know anybody. It's about 4 o'clock in the morning. She's leaving a club, and she meets these four dudes who couldn't get in. And uh, they invite her to go through her. Yeah, they're clearly trouble dudes. And she's yeah. the, they're like, hey, you want to come hang out with us and drink and party? And she's like, yeah, sure. I'm like, wow, you are already dead. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. My, my, my thing with that is like, no, they're obviously, if they're not rapey, they're at least like do so much coke that your nose explodes. Yeah, like. I was like, right off the bat, you have made a poor life choice <laughs> right there. But uh, they go out and they go partying, and then it turns out that they have been wrapped up in a... Basically, they have to commit a crime or they're going to get killed. Yeah. And she, for some reason, is like, yeah, I'll do it. Come right, on. Oh, I'm in. Let's do this. I mean, i got to open the cafe, but whatever. I mean, it's an implausible premise in a lot of ways, mm-hmm. but not so implausible that you go, well, that couldn't happen. What's really impressive about this really is, in fact, the cinematography and the fact that they managed to do all this with some pretty, like, chase scenes mm-hmm. and violence and running all over Berlin. You're like, All oh. the permits they had to have had. Oh, my God. Can you imagine what that, just that aspect <laughs> yeah. of the production, that's like, that's the budget right there <laughs> is all permits. <laughs> like, yeah. I mean, just every single movement of this camera had to have been planned to the most minute degree because there's very little in the way of static shots. Yeah. The camera's constantly moving and swirling around and you're like I have no clue how they did this well I mean like uh, it kind of reminded me of Runtime which which uh, was Bruce Campbell uh, and it was a one shot movie um, not a bad idea but I really wouldn't found the or bank on that aspect for selling my movie no, not necessarily but I like uh, I actually really enjoyed the film anyway I mean part of it is that like despite just being amazed it's one shot it's beautifully shot. Like, like it's not just shot for let's make it like where it's constantly moving and we tell this action story. It's actually set up to like, well, let's make sure this thing looks real pretty as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, and 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 I thought that that boy, they really got that. I thought the lead actress, uh, Laia Costa, who plays Victoria, is. Super cute. Yeah, super cute, kind of enchanting. She's got that almost sort of Amelie, like, je ne sais quoi about her, you know? <laughs> she, where, might be a, she might be a pixie. Where you're like, yeah, I kind of want to see her do some more stuff. Um, I really enjoyed The Hell of Victoria, but I admit it was not, it doesn't have the same impact on the small screen as no, it does on the No, no, I was just like, okay, I'm watching and the thing. baffling why they're putting it out on Blu-ray and there's not a special feature anywhere to be found, where if there was ever something you wanted to see behind the scenes making like how of, they did that. Yeah, as this would be the one. And you they had to have known that would be something people would want mm-hmm. to do. There had to have been other guys with video cameras standing around going, <laughs> okay, let's let's film like little bits and pieces. But 
eh, still think it's well worth your time. Uh, next up is The Spoils of Babylon. Uh, this is a comedy miniseries that was, I believe it came out on the Lifetime Network? Came out on Netflix. Uh, no, it came out on IFC. All right. So the idea here is this is a satire of, like, event miniseries from, like, the 80s. Mm-hmm. Like North and South. And it probably helps a lot to have watched event miniseries from the 80s, like, like the Thorn Birds or something like that. <laughs> you know, it's very, it's so specifically a takeoff on those that mm-hmm. stuff. Mm-hmm. Or even, even go so far as to say shows like Dynasty and Dallas. Oh, that I feel like a tense. lot of this humor is going to be lost on a younger audience. But, you know, you've got... It's hard to believe they got the cast they did for this almost like Jerry Zuckerish type send up of stuff, you know? <laughs> yeah. It's like Toby Maguire, Kristen Wiig, Tim Robbins, Jessica Alba, Alba, Val Kilmer, Haley Joel Osmont, Michael Sheen, Will Farrell, uh, who, uh, by the way, is the, the overweight, kind of repulsive, like author of the books who intros and outros every episode. It's is one of the funniest things I think I've seen him do in a while. Well, yeah. Uh, Will can do serious, but that's not a strong point. Uh, like, the story is just kind of ridiculous as they could possibly come up with. With, like, Tobey Maguire as a young boy, adopted by Tim Robbins, who already had a daughter, who eventually played by Kristen Wiig, uh, and brought into their family. And, right, like, a, right off the bat, Kristen Wiig's like, oh, we're going to be married someday. And so you're like, okay, so the whole struggle all the way through. He's like, no, we can't. You're my sister. And she's like, I don't care about that. Mm-hmm. We gotta be I, together. Got some, I got some itches. And so he'll run off and be angsty somewhere, go to war, and then come back with, you know, and he's been with other women, and then like, yeah, 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 yeah. And then it ends up being a battle for the company after Tim Robbins dies. And the plot is like, whatever. It's super silly, like, satire well, not the material. Point. <laughs> it's not the point. The point is whether or not you actually think it's funny. I thought it was pretty funny. It's funny. It, it wore off after a while. Yeah. It's long enough. You're like, okay, 135 minutes is too long for this joke to continue. Yeah, let's do 80. I mean, it's a, it's a funnier die production, and those guys can be extremely funny. And this feels, every th- single thing about this screams a funnier die production. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, uh, from Will Ferrell's involvement to just the style of humor that's here. <laughs> but I, it's one of those, like, you just don't, I wouldn't watch it all at once the way I did. Okay. I'd be one of those. Maybe if you watched it over the space of like a week or two, you might enjoy it a Just lot more. It. Yeah, because it's like the humor starts to wear after a while. But I did think it was genuinely funny. Yeah, uh, it had some giggles. Yeah, it had some giggles. There's no masterpiece, <laughs> but like, yeah, I think it's 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 more worth your time than I ever would have imagined it would be. But maybe only if you're over, say, thirty or thirty-five. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It, it definitely requires some reading. So next up is Game of Thrones season five. Oh boy! Oh boy! Oh, those thrones—they're gonna be so gamey. Man, so much shit happened. Well, actually, not that much shit actually happened in season five. But I what, don't know. I, I didn't get to watch well, this, what, and I'm done with Game of Thrones. So. Have you, I know you told me I didn't give it to you because you said you were just done with it anyway. Yeah, so. yeah, I'm done. Like I'm sure people are gonna die or not. I, I love Game of Thrones. I think it's it's generally speaking better with every season. This last season, still great season. It's just. Maybe not as momentous overall as some stuff. I mean, you do have some really big stuff. Like, there's, like, uh, a lot of stuff with the um, the, the zombie ice creature things. Mm-hmm. You know, Jon Snow becomes the leader of the Night's Watch and forms an alliance with the Wildlings. And there's a huge badass battle with, like, basically the cave trolls from Lord of the Rings. Okay. Yeah, <laughs> except about three times as big. All right. You know, so more fantasy monsters. Tyrion becomes an advisor to Daenerys. Never saw that coming. Well, there you go. You know, um, and lots of like 
controversial moments. Like there's a big moment where religious folks take over King's Landing, uh, which uh, Cersei was trying to stave off them doing that by giving them power. And then they just took all the power and like completely were like putting people in prison and executing prisoner and ma- made her walk naked through the whole city streets. And that was a very controversial moment for TV. People were like, that's horrible. We watched this woman walk naked and humiliated through the streets. It's like, okay, taken out of the context of why that's important in a bigger story, you might have a point. However, it's part of a bigger story and has a big important context well, of what's it, wasn't happening. Wasn't the whole point to be demeaning? Well, no, the whole point was that you actually felt sorry for Cersei, which is not something you genuinely feel. Right, for but what her. I'm saying is like the act that was like that was done specifically oh, it was to specifically take her down. to yeah. take her down, and it actually works incredibly well in doing exactly what the show needs you to do at that point, which has always been all of these people are shades of gray mm-hmm. in both the mm-hmm. way you feel about them and what happens. I thought like they find, they managed to do for her what they did for Jamie, where it's like, I can't believe I'm saying this, but I kind of like Jamie Lannister. <laughs> and we all say that like, yeah, I kind of like Jamie, even though, yeah, he did murder a kid and he regularly fucks his sister. I kind of like whatever. him. <laughs> you know, whatever. Everybody's got to pass the day. <laughs> uh, best off I thought was Arya Stark, who they've kind of made into a badass. And now she's like, got herself in a, she got more than she bargained for by hooking up with this cult called the Faceless Men, and now she looks like she's kind of fucked. But Dip-a-doo. good story for her. A lot of good stuff going on this season. The typical parcel of extras that come with Game of Thrones every season, which is to say a lot, but all the same stuff you expect. Like okay. Character profiles and behind-the-scenes looks. Just all very well, professionally done, very long. As always, Game of Thrones, a great package. All right, so now this this next I gotta find this. Uh, yeah, the unauthorized collection. I, I wasn't gonna watch this shit. Yeah, I don't even know why it got sent to me, but my girlfriend went, "Ooh, we're keeping that, right?" I was like, "Are you fucking kidding me?" <laughs> and she's like, "No, we're keeping that." And I'm like, "Okay." Uh, this is the collection from, I believe it's the Lifetime Network once again. I could be wrong. I know it's not IFC, that's for sure. <laughs> uh, uh, the unauthorized collection for film set, DVD and digital copy. Ooh. This comes with the unauthorized Beverly Hills 90210 story, the unauthorized Melrose Place story, the unauthorized Save for the, by the Bell story, mm-hmm. and the unauthorized Full House story. Okay, well, I've got a juicy tidbit. Apparently... On set, um, uh, the Olsen twins were sometimes known to sleep together. Shut up. Yeah, no, I know, I know. You're Salacious. making that up. Hey, from, from my mouth to dog's ear. <laughs> so wait, what do I get out of that? I don't Absolutely nothing. Nothing, okay. I mean, I like, I want to believe you. No, well, yeah, you watch the X-Files, you want to believe. Yeah, I, I, I want to believe that, but... Yeah, no, I better not think about it. It's going to yeah, make my head no, do weird, funky things. Yeah, um, smoking man. Yeah, so this is the thing. If you want it, it is out there. I Like I said, I was shocked when my girlfriend was like, no, I want it. And I'm like, well, I don't under... But I didn't watch any of these shows. Mm-hmm. So I don't care. I mean, if it was the unauthorized X-Files story, I'd watch it. <laughs> <laughs> but, like, I don't care about behind the scenes with, like subpar level actors playing the roles of subpar level actors. Yeah, like like porno acting without the fucking... (laughs) It's like, they found actors worse than the subpar actors that were in the shows that these shows are about. That's an achievement in and of itself. I really wish it was just Dustin Diamond. (laughs) Yeah, it'd be funny if it was like the one guy who comes on to play himself is Justin Diamond. He's like, fuck it, I'll do anything. Hey, that's my life. (laughs) Need me a fucking melon? I'll do it. (laughs) 
I did that, you know, on the show. Yeah, just just get me out of prison. <laughs> uh, it's Dustin Diamond, isn't it? Yeah. Okay, I thought you said Justin. No. I heard wrong. Uh, yeah, unauthorized collection, it's out there. Can, your girlfriend might want to have it. <laughs> uh, last up is one, unfortunately, as well, I did not get to watch for lack of time. And also, criticizing the American public for not watching good fucking television yeah, shows. Yeah, you jerk bags. Because uh, the first season of Manhattan, which we both watched. Was, was a bomb. <laughs> I see what you did there. Yeah. Wonderful uh, TV show on WGN America. That was about the Manhattan Project in Los Alamos, New Mexico, the town that was pretty much built to house all these scientists and military people who were secretly developing the atom bomb. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Really great first season. Reportedly, the second season here that, that's out uh, is also really great. I will be watching it, sadly, as reported earlier about you fucking American public who don't watch actually good television – the last season. <laughs> the last season. Already canceled. Probably for something with a sexy supernatural person doing sexy well, supernatural things. Well, to be fair, it's WGN, so I could see them being wary of a long-term investment. Yeah, but I, I don't think it was it was canceled with a sense of like, well, we came to a good ending. <laughs> uh, I mean, it was actually the second season was rated even higher than uh, this first season was. Hey, Netflix, you like making shit? Make yeah, that. Seriously, that's the show they should pick up. Mm-hmm. Uh, Manhattan, if you haven't gotten a chance, uh, at least watch the first season. Um, or, you know, according to what I'm reading, read this and watch the second one as well. I mean, if you want to know what happens... Well, you could always get on Wikipedia and just look it up because it's all based on a true story. <laughs> yeah. So we, you know what happened. Long story short, <laughs> Japan got a little pissed. Yeah, it, shit went boom. <laughs> uh, somebody said, oh, damn, I fucked up. That's a Kodak moment. I feel kind of like the devil. <laughs> Thank you, Mr. Oppenheimer. Uh, anyway, so that brings us to the end of our show, except for what is it? The one last thing that we do. Uh, the, 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 the take in? No, no. Well, that does sound like the name of like a Melissa McCarthy, Jason Bateman wrote. Oh, so good. Uh, the, the, the standby? No, no, um, no. That sounds like a direct-to-video Bruce Willis film. Okay, the hoarding of Bruce Willis's hair pieces? No, no, no one. Uh, he hasn't worn a hair piece for some time now. Oh, that's right. So yeah. There's not much to hoard anymore. Yeah, he's a meat popsicle. Yeah. I <laughs> know uh, the giveaway. Oh, that thing. Right. Okay, okay so I admit this is lame this week. It, but for me, like, because this is kind of a cop out on my part, but some of you are going to be super excited out there about this. I have no idea who those people are because I know nothing about anime. Uh-oh. Uh oh, what, what do we got? I got two things. Okay. First off, I have Yu-Gi-Oh! GX Season oh, 3. Jesus How are they going to get into it without the first two seasons? <laughs> the DVD box set in the back, it just says, Sweet! With an exclamation mark. Uh, it's year three for Jaden and his friends, who are now officially upperclassmen at Duel Academy, the world's most prestigious dueling prep show. Brought to you by 4K Media Incorporated. Okay, six DVDs, three cases, and a slipcover. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, so, mm-hmm. I mean, I don't know. I don't know what's supposed to be good in anime and what's supposed it's to be bad that. when it comes to anime TV shows. <laughs> but people do like Yu-Gi-Oh, right? It's, am I saying it right? People like Huff and Paint. That's not yeah. the argument. Well, the other one is Digimon Fusion Season 2. Hey, haven't seen the Digimons? I don't know. Man. Yeah. Uh, five DVDs, 24 episodes from Season 2 as seen on Nicktoons. Uh, yeah, there's a bunch of shit that it says. Yeah, yeah, they do things and they transform into fights. (laughs) Anyway, that's what you can win. Here's how you win it. You get on Twitter, at OneOfUsNet, and with the hashtag AnimeGiveaway, uh, 
what do they have to do, Joe? Well, just keep in mind, everybody. Chris is your senpai. So what do you say to get senpai to notice you? Don't worry. They'll get it. Okay. I might rely on you to tell me who should be the winner. Yeah. Then. What, what do you say to senpai so that he'll notice you? Hey, look. Haley Atwell's naked. Well, I mean, if they, they have to come up with stuff. Not you. Oh, sorry. <laughs> Are you trying to win this? That would work. Hey, here you go. You won. <laughs> Uh, yeah, so that that works for me, I guess, I think. And people are going to be like, that's so racist. I can't believe you said that. Like, what? It wasn't me. I didn't even know what it meant. I'll take all the racism. Don't <laughs> okay, worry. Fair enough. <laughs> that brings us to the end of this week's Digital Noise. I want to thank Joe for coming out <laughs> and slogging through this giant pile of movies that somehow we got through in an hour and 37 minutes. Hey, it's because we're professionals-ish. We, we are professionals-ish. Ish-ish. Uh, <laughs> There's a professional-esque-ness to us. <laughs> uh, and we will... I'm not sure what's happening yet with the next episode. I'm trying to get Richard and Marco to go ahead and do one before South By, but I don't know if they're going to have time or not. You know those guys. Maybe there's going to be one before South By. Maybe it won't be till after South By. But either way... It will be. There will be a break coming up again for digital noises. I know they've been sort of like clustered lately, uh, but that's just how because of how busy everybody's been. Mm, so that's true. Uh, but there is a lot more cool stuff coming with digital noise. There's a lot more cool giveaways coming. There's a lot more cool stuff coming on oneofus.net, including lots of South by coverage, including interviews with some pretty big names on video, which is going to be pretty fucking cool. Walt Disney. What? You found his head? Mm-hmm. And you plugged it into one of those Futurama things? It was already plugged in. Cool. Uh, I'm just going to say maybe somebody, a bunch of people from a, another much more famous podcast than any of ours that I talk about too much. Hey, that's only because more people listen to it. Maybe somebody who plays most of the characters on a pretty famous BBC show mm-hmm, that, mm-hmm, uh, that everybody mm-hmm, seems to mm-hmm, like. Mm-hmm. Yeah, maybe some more people. I don't know. Mm-hmm, I'm still working on mm-hmm, it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. It's Jeff Goldblum, isn't it? It's not Jeff Goldblum. Damn it. Yeah, I would love to interview Jeff mm-hmm. Goldblum. I'd love to smoke a blunt with Jeff mm-hmm. Goldblum. Peaches. What would he be like high? What would he be like sober? Good point. 